Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thank you so much for joining today. Today we have on Tammy Durkin. Tammy is 57 years old and lives part of the year in Ohio and part of the year in San Antonio, Texas. Tammy received a diagnosis of type 2 diabetes in late 2019 and shortly thereafter found intermittent fasting. We talk a lot about her fasting protocol and how it has evolved over time. We speak about her diet, her exercise, and we also talk about issues concerning menopause and we debunk some myths that it's inevitable that you will gain weight. She was a really fascinating guest. She speaks to both the experienced and the new faster alike. So I think you'll get a lot out of this interview. It was just a real pleasure to speak to Tammy and I hope you enjoy this episode. Hi, Tammy. Thank you so much for speaking with me today. I'm super excited to hear your story. Thank you. I'm excited to talk about it. It's my passion. Oh, that's so great. Before we dig into your story, do you want to just give me a little bit of background about yourself? Um, Sure. I am 57 years old. Um, I am a home care nurse and I am working uh, part-time in Ohio and a little odd situation. We are living also in San Antonio, Texas. So kind of a tale of two cities um, because of my husband's job. So brings us down there. So we're kind of spending the winters down in San Antonio, Texas, um, because we just don't really like the high heat down there. Um, I have, let's see, right now I'm in Ohio, by the way. So I'm back home and it's nice to be in my own house. So right now we have one adult child who lives with us and is 20. So all of our kids are grown. I have three kids. Um, Our daughter's 26, our son is 24, and our youngest son is 20. So um, basically, let's see. I don't know if you want me to go back into my history or just- Yeah, yeah. So that, that's a good intro. And uh, I think you guys have a smart plan to live in two different places. You can enjoy mm-hmm. the best of you know the weather in both places. That's a good idea. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I'd love for you to take us back into your history. Uh, you know, I, I know that you've been doing intermittent fasting for quite some time. Um, and I like that aspect of your story a lot, but maybe you can tell us just a little bit. I know that you had some issues with some of your pregnancies and maybe you can just go back through some of your, your diabetes history. Cause I think that would be really interesting for the audience. Okay. Well, starting out, um, I actually was uh, always pretty thin. So, um, didn't really struggle with my weight, Until obviously after having kids, it seems like that happens to a lot of us after having kids, but I was always pretty active. Um, I would eat just your basic, you know, uh, some healthy, some junk food. Um, When I had my first child in, let's see, 1996, I was only 115 pounds when I got pregnant with her. And was very, very surprised to find out during that pregnant pregnancy that I had gestational diabetes. So apparently I was uh, not able to, my insulin was not able to be high enough to support the pregnancy. Um, they didn't put me on insulin, but they just told me to, you know, exercise and watch my diet, be careful what I'm eating, which I already thought I did, but I just was a little more tried to eat a little healthier and I was fine. Um, there were a couple of times where I thought I was going to pass out where I would become hypoglycemic. That did happen a couple of times and I just knew what to do. You know, I knew I had to have a snack or some orange juice or something like that. But after having my baby and nursing all of my kids, um, it went away. So I thought, 
Well, this is interesting. Um, I have to mention that I am adopted. So I have limited information about my history, my um, health history, but I do know that my biological mother had type two diabetes and she died from complications of that in her fifties. So here I am in my fifties. Oh, wow. That's rough. And That's so, rough to know that. Right. Right. Oh. But I, I would, I never, I didn't become diabetic. So they tested me a few times after it always went away. But as I had each child, you gain more weight, I would gain more weight. Um, and it was just sort of, I almost want to say like in my twenties, uh, I was, I weighed around in my one twenties In my thirties, I kind of started to go up into my one thirties, forties, same thing. It just kept on going up. Um, and then in my, in my fifties, I started going up into the one fifties. So it just sort of went with that trend. Um, and then it was in 2019, right at the end of summer, beginning of fall, that I did get that diagnosis of pre-diabetes. Now, so, when you went in, did you, was it just for a regular checkup or were you not mm -hmm. feeling well? What, what was that about? It was a regular checkup. Um, and I was, let's see here. I was postmenopausal. Um, so you... I, I actually did okay during menopause, but I had things that now that I look back in hindsight, I realize I didn't feel well. So at the time, if you would have asked me, I would have been like, I'm fine. You know, I feel fine, but I really didn't. I was fatigued. Um, I had some muscle aches and pains. Um, occasionally I would get shakiness. Um, I did have some classic symptoms of frequent frequent urination, frequent thirst, but I just really didn't contribute that, you know, to diabetes. I don't know why, because I'm a nurse and I should be able to find those signs. I didn't become a nurse, by the way, until my late forties. So I was late oh, wow. going back to school. I raised my kids, was a stay-at-home mom, worked for a while in a department store as my children got older, but then I decided to become a nurse. So uh, I was just very surprised that, yeah, I was, I didn't go to the doctor just because I didn't feel well. I literally was just going for regular blood work and because I should, and my doctor told me I should. Had you gone the year prior and had blood work or was that the first time in a long time that you went? I think it was the first time in a long time. Sometimes we nurses aren't the best about going to the doctor. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, if, if you don't want to have something actively wrong with you, I know it's yeah. most people don't go to the doctor. Right. I didn't. Um, and then knowing that I'm, you know, postmenopausal and got through that. Okay. With some symptoms, uh, I just didn't really feel the need to go. So anyway, so it was, I thought, okay, I should really go. And then I went for my yearly, uh, mammogram and, you know, pap smear and all those things at the gynecologist and all of that came out. Okay. I actually had a few polyps in my breasts, but, um, you know, that could be contributed also to a lot of caffeine I was drinking. So I was told to cut out caffeine, uh, which I did. So um, let's see. Okay. So 2019, you went in for your regular checkup, you got your yes. blood work back and then you, you were, uh, you're very good at keeping records. You want to tell us what your A1C and some other levels were at the time? Yeah, I, I actually may have to just pull them up right here. Um, Let's see here. So in 2019, um, my triglycerides were high. It was 173, which should be 149 or below. My cholesterol was 292 and the norm should be below 200. And the LDL should be below 99. And I was at 202. I didn't really bring up my good cholesterol, the HDA, because um, HDH, is that what it is? Um, because that, that that was good every time. I never had a problem with my HDH. Okay. Um, my fasting glucose was 125. So that is high. And I think I was fasted. At the time, I was not doing intermittent fasting. So to me, a fast was 12 hours. And yeah. thinking you're going to die at 12 hours of not eating. <laughs> <laughs> so, which I didn't. But it was 
you know, that was high for being fasted 12 hours was 125. And then the A1C was 6.2. So that scared me, you know, because I understand numbers and, and, and right away, the doctor's pre-diabetic, you're pre-diabetic. And I'm like, oh, what does this mean? You know, I didn't want to be put on insulin. I also didn't want to put, be put on statins for cholesterol. So in my mind, the alarm bells just went off and knowing my biological mother had it and knowing in my nursing career, many people have complications with type two diabetes as we get older and have a hard time maintaining our weight. Um, I was determined. I, it wasn't one of those like, oh, well, you know, I'll just see what I can do. I'll do a little dieting. My doctor, of course, is, you know, eat less, move more. Okay. So this particular doctor, I can get into that a little bit later on, but I uh, feel like he didn't really support the fasting as much or did he try to put you on, you know, I know you didn't want to be on insulin, but was he trying to put you on metformin or something like that? Or was it just like- he was yeah. talking about it. And I told him, I'm going to research this. I'm going to see what I can do to fix this because I wanted to do this on my own without medications, because I'm one of these people that doesn't even want to take a, you know, a, an aspirin or a Tylenol a, unless I'm really in pain. So I don't like drugs. I don't like taking any kind of drugs. Um, and I just wanted to see what I could do. And I obviously know that if you're pre-diabetic or diabetic, type two diabetic, obviously not type one, that's a whole different scenario, um, that a lot of it has to do with your weight. Most of it has to do with your weight. So then I uh, told my doctor, let's just hold off and let's do blood work again in six months and I'm going to see what I can do. So then you want me to just tell the story then how that, yeah, how that please go ahead, how that developed with the fasting. So Years ago, I had tried the Atkins diet and that was, you know, the low carb diet. And I thought, well, I'm going to try that and see if that works. Um, And it did, but I also had IBS from that. So a lot of digestive issues. I just could not maintain that very well. I tried to eat less, move more. That didn't work. Um, I didn't try any diets like Weight Watchers or any of these fancy or these pay diets because I was kind of lazy. I didn't want to count calories. I didn't want to count macros. So my first thought when I got this pre-diabetes diagnosis is that I'm going to go back to the whole low carb thing because it did kind of work. I dropped pounds back in the day and now it's keto. And that's, I didn't know if it was the same thing. I thought maybe there's a different dynamic to it. I wasn't sure. It's just the new way of calling it. I don't know. So I was in a Facebook group, um, in a keto group and I was trying it and again, having IBS issues with it. And I was about ready to leave the group and say that, you know, cause they're, they're saying, Oh, you know, you're having IBS that you're just having the keto flu. And, you know, I was like, well, I just don't think this is going to work for me. So I just happened to be posting with a a girl on there, which I don't know her name. And she said to me, how have you ever tried intermittent fasting? And I said, no, you know, what, what's that going to do? And she said, well, let me give you a few references. Um, And one of the books was Delay, Don't Deny by Jen Stevens. And she said, just read into that and see what you think about that. And I'm like, yeah, because I don't think I can do the keto anymore, but I'll check into it. And so I stopped doing the keto and I started reading that book um, right around Halloween. Actually, it was like the day before Halloween, passing out candy. Um, And (laughs) 2019. 2019, 2019. So this is three and a half years ago. Okay. And I remember getting up and down, passing out candy in my entryway and my knees hurting and aches and pains that you have from being overweight. Um, At the time I was around 160. And by the way, that doesn't sound like a lot, but I'm only five foot two. So that is a lot of weight on somebody who's five foot two and a small bone, small frame. Yeah, I'm Um, small too. It's, it is a lot, you know, you really feel it. People are like, yeah, that doesn't sound like a lot of weight, but when you're, you know, smaller in stature, it really, you really feel it. 
Absolutely. A hundred percent. And so, you know, I would struggle getting up and down, but anyway, toward the end of the trick or treating and things were winding down, I just kind of started reading the book and then went up to my bed and was reading the book and I was learning about insulin. And here I am a nurse who understands insulin. I understand that it, you know, it's what helps the glucose get into the cells and, you know, store energy, you know, um, but I didn't think of it as a fat storing hormone. You know, I just didn't really think of it that way until I read that book and learned how insulin, when our levels are high and we're constantly um, eating or say we're eating all day long, we're swimming in insulin all day long and it's keeping our insulin up and we're not able to tap into the fat stores. And so that light bulb went off like I understand this. And, you know, so I read her book and I went down the whole rabbit hole online. I went on YouTube and I just started doing a really deep dive. When I learn something new and something clicks for me, I just go full force, you know. Yeah, that's great. Did you, uh, sorry to interrupt your story, but um, at the time, did you do any testing of your own blood sugar? Did you have like a blood glucose monitor or a continuous glucose monitor? No, but I, I used it when I was working in the nursing home. So, you know, if I never used a continuous glucose monitor, I would actually like to do that. Uh, I might want to eventually do that just to see what is, what spikes the insulin the most. Um, I would just do it uh, like, you know, when I worked in a nursing home, I would just use one that, you know, obviously my own lancet, you know, clean lancets and everything like that. But I would check it once in a while. I didn't have my own. And yeah, so I, I was I was just flabbergasted by how insulin has such an impact on our weight and our health and metabolic disorders and future health issues. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, the reason I was asking you about whether or not you were checking your blood sugar is because I think that a lot of times, like you had that knowledge that, you know, by eating all day long, you were spiking your insulin, but you couldn't actually see it. But if you have, if you're testing your blood sugar, you can actually put two and two together a little bit more easily and like everything really will click for you. But Mm -hmm. it sounds like you were able to do it on occasion, but um, if somebody's Mm -hmm. out there and they're newly diagnosed or whatever, it's, you know, it's not expensive if you can just get, uh, you know, a blood glucose monitor and and a, a few strips, you can test it when you wake up, you can test it after you eat, you can see what what's happening with your with your blood sugar. And it's actually right. a really helpful tool, I think. Yes. And, uh, you know, to be able to micro like, obviously, type one diabetic, um, you know, they they have a better better handle on it, because they're constantly having to check and micromanage the insulin and the glucose levels. So yeah, I think, you know, people who have weight issues and get even that pre-diabetic diagnosis, I think that'd be a great thing to do. And I don't think you have to have a prescription to get one. I think you could just go in and buy one, right? Yeah. Yeah, you can. Uh, It's, it's pretty straightforward and uh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's not like something you need to do forever if you're type two. And if you're able to, like in your case, when, where you've been able to reverse it, or your pre-diabetes reverse it, you don't have to do it forever, but at least in the beginning, it, it helps you to understand trends and what mm-hmm. certain foods do to your, your blood sugar. I agree. And I feel like I, um, dodged a bullet for sure. Um, just, I was on that pathway. If I didn't do something actively and proactive and a little bit of discipline and a little bit of elbow grease on my own self, um, I would have been on that pathway to type two diabetes almost definitely. So I'm just very thankful, blessed, and just so happy that I learned about intermittent fasting because I had no idea what impact it would have on my life. And I feel like it's changed my trajectory for my health. Oh yeah, absolutely. And when you, so obviously you discovered Jen Stevens, uh, and then did you also start looking into some of the you know, videos or writings of Dr. Jason Fung as well at that time? Absolutely. Um, In fact, I would have it on Audible 
And sometimes I would just have it on without my headset and my husband would come into the room and he would listen. I think sometimes the husband sometimes needs a man's perspective, you know, or, <laughs> you know, um, or a scientist, a real doctor, you know, I mean, Jen Stevens is, you know, a doctor in education, but um, I, th I feel like he needed to hear that. So he actually does it too. And he wasn't, didn't have a strong weight problem, but he did get that COVID bill belly a little bit during COVID where I was not having that issue because I was working, you know, during COVID. So um, he, he actually started fasting as well, where he stopped his nightly ice cream, realized he didn't need to snack at night and then realized he didn't really have to have breakfast or he could have breakfast, but let's wait till 10 or 11 o'clock to have the breakfast. So uh, he has lost about 15 pounds. Wow, um, that's great. And it's so nice to be able to have somebody doing it with you. Otherwise, you know, it's great if you don't to have the online communities, but it's even better if you have somebody uh, in your life that's doing it with you. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and he told me he's proud of me for, you know, figuring out a problem that I had and actually doing something about it and doing the research. So that, that having that support, I think really does help. So absolutely. Um, so maybe you can walk me through, you know, when you started fasting, what your protocol was, how it's evolved over time. It's definitely evolved over time. So in the beginning, I was just doing the classic 16-8 um, because that's kind of what I've learned. And this is before Jen's book came out, Fast Face Repeat. By the time I read that book, it was a little more um, in depth teaching me about the clean fast. So when I learned about what the clean fast is, which is obviously uh, no calories whatsoever during your fasting period, um, you can have water, sparkling water, um, black coffee, green tea, or black tea, and that's it. And I, I'm an all or nothing. So to me, it was, it was my religion. <laughs> so I was very strict about that, um, that you have to do the clean fast. And also I was in the Facebook communities. Um, Facebook pages on for fasters, a, a regular one and one for women over 50. So uh, just really learned about the clean fast. Um, so I lost the weight. I started losing right away. Um, pretty much within the first month or two, I was losing steadily one or two pounds a week. So I started around Halloween and all the way until my birthday in August, I probably lost about 30 pounds by that point. Wow. Incredible. So you started at 160, right? Thereabouts? About 160. I quit weighing after 160 because I was just mad at the scale. <laughs> I know that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I, I think I suspect I was more than that, but um, about 160, let's say. And then I was down to about 130 and um, I was like, well, this is working for me. I'm going to just keep it up. And at the time, I wasn't really making any changes to my diet, um, always mindful of trying to eat better, but I wasn't really great about it. And and I would still have an occasional wine or beer, um, would have sweets, but I never was a real big sweet. I uh, didn't have a sweet addiction. I, I'm more like a salty craver. Mm -hmm. So lots of chips and pretzels for me. Um, so anyway, I got to that point. And then I felt like, well, I'm there because my goal was 125 to 130. And I was like, Oh, no, I don't, I don't know. I don't think my body really wants to settle there. So I just kind of kept going, I would then push myself a little further, realizing that I didn't die after 16 hours, I don't think I'm going to die after 18 hours. And I didn't. So then as I was reading from Dr. Jason Fung and some others about autophagy and other health benefits to fasting, uh, obviously the main goal in the beginning is weight, weight loss. And well, for me, the number one thing was the health, you know, not being pre-diabetic. Uh, and then when I finally got that marker that said, I am no longer pre-diabetic, I was I was like 5.5 A1C. That's sure. kind of borderline. Kind of so you went from 6.2 to 5.5 in that six month period where you, yep. wow, that's great. Yeah. So I, you know, like I said, I dodged a bullet. And so I'm like, okay, well now I 
know how to do this, but along the way in these three and a half years, I have learned so much more. So like I said, the autophagy was uh, something that, and for those listeners out there, it's good. think of it like a cellular cleanup and your body, little Pac-Man going in there and cleaning up debris, cell, cells that might be dying off or damaged, um, which can be a, a indicator of possible preventing dementia in the future. You know, the tangled uh, fibers in the brain, There is there are some studies to show that that fasting and getting into autophagy can help with that or help prevent future dementia and Alzheimer's. So all those things were just waking up in me like, wow, wow, you know, so many great things about this. So then I started, as the years went on, in these last three and a half years, I started throwing in 24 hour fasts, which ended up being simple for me, but I had to build up to it. So this is something for listeners out there. You don't want to just jump right into this and think you're going to do 24 hours. You're going to do 48 hours. At least for me, I had to build up to it. So um, along the way, I was doing longer fasts and I started losing more weight without even really trying. So, you know, I'm at about this morning, I was about 121. Wow. So, incredible. 121 pounds. And I feel like that is, that's where I was in my twenties. Um, I feel like that is the right weight for me. And I still feel like I have some belly, you know, but I've had kids, so <laughs> that's going to be there. You so know. what's your, so you throw in some 24 hour fast, what's your standard protocol or do you not really have one? I, I don't have one anymore. It, it but it kind of looks like this. So I will do OMAD, which is one meal a day for listeners. <clears throat> I would do an OMAD. And then the next, when I do an OMAD, it's like I'm eating in the middle of the day, say one or two o'clock. I can absolutely fast until one or two o'clock. And then when I do that, the next day I'm hungry earlier. So I'm hungry at 1030 or 11. That kind of turns into a two meal a day. So then say I eat the next day at 10 or 11, then I'm going to want to eat about five or six in the evening. And then I naturally don't want to eat until two anymore. So it's almost like I'm on it every other day. I would say that's how it looks on an average. Okay. Yeah. So you kind of rotate, like you do sort of like an earlier eating window and then followed by a later one. That makes, mm -hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I'm not very rigid about it. I I feel like fasting, once you become fat adapted and appetite corrected, I feel like your body can learn how to intuitively eat. And it distinguishes the difference between true hunger and hunger that's in your head or in your mouth. That's nothing but taste. I want to eat this because it tastes good. Um, I'm really eating when I'm hungry now. Yeah, that's a, that's an important point. Cause I, I was thinking about that the other day. Um, you know, I have, uh, my dad is in town visiting me and so I'm sort of out of my normal routine a little bit and I'm eating at strange times, but I still don't overeat because my body just will not allow for it. It just feels gross. If I, if I go too far. Yeah, I I'll get a stomach ache. I mean, uh, I, if I eat even prior to 16 or 14 hours, especially I just, I like, I'll eat because somebody made something for me. Sometimes my son likes to cook and he'll say, here, mom, you want to try this? And yeah, so I'm going to have something once in a while or break through and eat something or have a snack or on vacation, have something extra or might have a little more alcohol, but I don't necessarily feel great with that. And like you said, um, before when I was eating all the time or eating whenever I didn't get that full satiety signals that would tell me stop to stop. Now I get that. And just like you said, if you push yourself further than that, you feel awful, you feel gross. So it's like easy now. I, I, I just can't believe how easy it is and I, I will not do it any other way. Yeah. I mean, neither do you, I think for me, the point where I was like, I'm never going back. Like I, I knew pretty, pretty early on that I was never going to go back, but I don't think it hit that point. Cause I'm now just about two years into my 
you know, intermittent fasting journey, if you want to say. Um, and I would say maybe it was like a year in where I was like, my body finally understood if you overeat, you're going to just feel disgusting. Don't eat those two meals or three meals a day or or whatever it is. Um, like my body just can't tolerate that anymore. Do you remember when you kind of had that switch happening? Oh, let me think about that a minute. Um, trying to say, uh, when I got down to the one thirty. um, cause I think in the beginning, you know, that that's how you should feel and yeah. you don't actually feel that way. Like you, if, if right. it's with just additional food, you would eat it and you'd be happy to eat it. But there's a point where you actually say, I don't want to actually eat that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> that that it, probably came a year in for me, I'd say. I'd say a year, I'd say about a year because I was, that was a, a surprising happening. I, I thought that this is always going to be a challenge. Like, I really thought this is just going to be hard, but I have to be disciplined. We do hard things. We're adults. We can do hard things. Um, I never expected that it would just be easy and I literally just can't overeat. So I, I, I would say after about a year. So for people out there, you know, just give yourself that time, give your time, your body time to adjust to this. Your body is going to keep asking for the food, but just, and here's what you do. And this is what I do. Grab your water, grab your coffee. Um, When you start feeling that hunger, say an hour or two before you really wanted to, and you wanted to fast a couple more hours, just drink another eight ounces of either water, sparkling water, black coffee, whatever it is you have. Give yourself those 15 or 20 minutes and see how you feel. And I'll bet you, you won't feel hungry because the hunger comes in waves. Hunger doesn't escalate, 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 and escalate. It comes in waves. And then after doing that for a while, your body will be like, okay, well, this is what we're doing now. (laughs) So, yeah, absolutely. That's a great message for people that are starting out. I feel like if, if you can push through those six, first six months, the first year, Mm-hmm. The rest of it is really smooth sailing. Um, but it I mean, is. obviously there's challenges along the way, which I also wanted to talk to you about since you've been doing this for quite some time. Have you, has there been any point where it's been tough for you or you've like gained back a pretty decent chunk of whatever you had lost or what's that been like for you? The, the maintenance aspect of it. Yeah. The, well, the first time that I went back to San Antonio tech, the first time I went to San Antonio, Texas, all the tacos and all the amazing Mexican food, which I love and the margaritas, all that stuff. Um, I gained about six, when I got down to 125, um, I gained about six or seven pounds that first time in San Antonio. And it was just because we were eating out all the time. So eating out a lot. Um, so my husband's company was paying for our corporate housing and also like a per per diem every day for food. So we were just eating out. So it that was my challenge, you know, eating out too much. So after a while, I said to my husband, I didn't panic because I knew what to do. I knew, you know, what the solution is to this. Just tighten up your fasting window, uh, buckle down, you know, uh, don't you don't need to be eating in Mexican food every other day and all these margaritas. So which were all delicious. But that's a treat. That's not something you need to do all the time. So I just reined it in and buckled down and I lost that weight uh, probably. So I gained six or seven pounds. I probably lost that within three weeks. You know, it was easy. And I told my husband, we can't eat out every night. And I, that's when I started realizing, let's start thinking about what you're eating. So I mastered the when you're eating. Now I felt like I needed to you know, work on what I'm eating. So I know being a nurse and just, we all know this, unless you're living, living under a rock, that it's better to eat more whole foods than all this processed garbage, which, Hey, I eat the garbage. I still do. So (laughs) not knocking anybody. I, I still have Doritos or a handful of chips or pretzels. I still have that margarita once in a while, but now I don't even like that as much because it's too sweet for me. I don't like the really sweet things as much. So, um, so I started cleaning up what I'm eating. So I call what the way I eat now, I kind of call it the God diet. Like I'm eating off the land, you know, what God gave us, the animals, the fruits, the vegetables, 
I, I am not vegan. I'm not vegetarian. I really eat all the things, but I'm just trying to eat less processed foods. Gotcha. So that's been a little bit of a challenge, but that's also because I think you can be, have you ever heard of the term skinny, unhealthy? Yeah. Like, Mm-hmm. You can be thin and unhealthy. And, uh, you know, I just, I would sleep, I sleep better. I feel better since I've been eating more whole foods and my body's craving it more. I'm actually craving the healthier foods. Now, have you noticed, um, because I know this is, this is relevant to the type two discussion or pre-diabetes discussion uh, with respect to carbs, have you cut some of those out or, or, or how, how does that look for you? I'm eating the more natural carbs. So the potatoes, um, the roots and the the carbs with vegetables and car- carbs that are in fruits. Um, yes, once in a while, I'm going to have a piece of pie or, you know, who's not going to. Um, I, I feel like if you deny yourself that all the time, then that's that diet mentality And I don't want to have that diet mentality. I don't want to deprive myself of anything, but you can be more mindful and more disciplined about it. So to me, I look at the carbs that say the processed bad carbs. I look at that as a special treat. Here's a cookie. This is a special treat. And a special treat doesn't have to be every day or every other day or even every weekend, you know? So to me, my husband and I, instead of buying ice cream that we have in the house, that's in the freezer, we'll go out and have an, we'll go out to Dairy Queen and have an ice cream. So it'll be, or now, oh, by the way, we bought just a few days ago, we bought an espresso machine and I'm just in love because you have that black coffee with the cream A on top. And mm. oh, I thought, okay, is this going to break my fast, even though it's black coffee? It is delicious and wonderful. It doesn't seem to break my fast, but I've learned all the different things you can make, you know, like a cappuccino, a latte. You can pour the espresso over a couple scoops of vanilla ice cream. But again, I'm looking at that as a special treat. So if you can look at it as a special treat and not something you're doing all the time and don't deprive yourself have it when you want to, but be disciplined about it, then I think you'll, you'll be okay. That's interesting that you've been able to, and I want to talk a little bit more about when you've been, how you've been maintaining when you go back to the doctor and they, and they do your blood work. But even when you're eating carbs, I I assume you don't eat a lot of carbs every single day, because I think otherwise that might derail your, your, is that right? Yes. Yeah, you're right. I I do try to stick to the, you know, the f- vegetables, fruits, and meats, meats, fruits, and vegetables. I, I will have potatoes and rice occasionally, but yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I, I would say every day I might have some kind of a carb, but it's, it's like a potato, a natural carb. Mm-hmm. Okay. Beans, beans. I have beans and legumes. I have nuts. I eat a lot of nuts, uh, berries, things like that. But I just try to eat more the whole foods, way less processed. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, Yeah. And I think probably too, since your body's had so much time to heal with the fasting that you've done and the weight that you've lost, maybe your body can handle some carbs. Your your diagnosis, you caught it when your A1C was 6.2. So it wasn't extremely elevated. If you're somebody who's much higher than that, you may have to limit your carbs a little bit more, but it sounds like your body has been able to repair itself to a point where you can actually have some of that stuff. And I'm afraid of going too low carb because remember I said when I did that, I had IBS. Um, But I also realized um, since I'm eating less, um, I'm able to like zero in on what sensitivities I have. And I've realized through the process that if I have too much dairy, too many eggs, cheese, uh, yogurt that is the Greek yogurt doesn't bother me as much, but the yogurts that are heavily processed with fruit on the bottom and all the the added sugar, I have a sensitivity to. So now I'm looking back thinking, well, shoot, when I was doing keto and all that, I was eating a lot of cheese and a lot of eggs and bacon. So too many 
um, too much dairy and too many greasy fried foods I have a sensitivity to. And I've only learned that because of isolating my meals because I'm not eating as much. I'm able to zero in on what I'm having. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Did you, do you think you're lactose intolerant by any chance or probably not it? Yeah. Probably. And I, I don't, I don't do well with any kind of milk except for like an almond milk. Mm -hmm. uh, even soy milk, milk bothers me. Uh, I don't know why coconut milk is okay. And almond milk is okay, but I'm not a really big milk drinker anyway. And I don't put any kind of milk or creamers in my coffee at all, even in my eating window, unless I make my specialty cappuccino, you yeah, know? Sounds, yeah. Cappuccino. I totally get that for a treat, a treat. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, so maybe you can tell me, so you went back to the doctor after six months mm -hmm. and your A1C was down to 5.5. Is that what you said? Yeah. Let me look at my numbers real quick. I went back in May of 2020. Okay. And triglycerides went down, cholesterol went down, but still high. Um, my fasting glucose was 94. My A1C is 5.5. Now, what are they saying now? 5.6 and above is pre-diabetic. I, I think so. You is know, they're always changing the goalposts constantly, but I think that's yeah. right. So, so things are looking better, but still not great, right? Like a lot better, uh, you know, going from a 6.2 down to 6.5 is I think a win, um, and by the way, oh, I have my weight there too. Okay. So my weight was 160. Then with that new blood work, it went down to 137 pounds. So I was at 137 in May. Great. Got down to 130 by my birthday, which is in August. So I remember, I just remember specifically that first birthday I had after fasting, I got down to the 130 and I was so excited. Yeah. What did your doctor say? Was he supportive at that point? He was happy that I lost the weight and everything, but I, I, this is the thing. I feel like I should find a functional doctor, um, functional medicine. He just, he was happy. I lost the weight, but when I told him about intermittent fasting, he just didn't really seem too impressed by that. And then even as the years went on and I was getting new blood work and things are working for me and things are getting lower, cholesterol was getting lower. Um, I, I don't know. I, I, he just kept saying, you know, you got to exercise, you, you know, you have, and I do exercise by the way, we could talk about that later if you want. But, um, I, I, I just didn't think it was very supportive of it. I feel so, uh, now that I'm a tale of two cities here, I feel like I do want to seek out and find a functional doctor because I'm now believing more in finding a doctor like Dr. Jason Fung, who will get to the root cause of a problem and not just throw medicine at you. Right. So yeah. uh, the cholesterol, I'm already, I'm pretty low. I'm still a little bit elevated, but that can be hereditary. They say as well, he still wants me to take statins. And I'm thinking, no, I don't want to take statins, you know, because that can have side effects. And I heard that it can help you gain, it can make you gain weight. Uh, there's so much, there's so many uh, different theories about cholesterol and statins. I, yeah. I finally got on one because my cholesterol was just too high and it was just not coming down. Uh, so I said, fine. And my, my cholesterol has been normal and I haven't had any of those side effects, but you know, it's a very personal decision and I totally understand and respect if you, if you don't want to take one. I, I mean, I'm not a hundred percent against it. Um, I want to kind of see how this develops. And like I said, I want to fix myself with my, um, lifestyle choices, you know, and I, to me, it's just, it's, it was just mind blowing that this simple lifestyle choice of intermittent fasting has done so many healthy things. And, you know, I've had a lot of non-scale victories as well. Um, it's just mind blowing to me. So, so I, I feel like I want to seek out a, I don't know, a functional doctor, which I don't know how you do that. How you yeah. Find. I mean, you could, you could, uh, I mean, this is a thing. And as a type one, I've been through so many different doctors over the course of my life. Uh, mm -hmm. cause I've had type one now for 25 years. Some are better than others. The thing is, is you end up being your own doctor <laughs> in a lot of ways, like just I like bet. you have, you, you dug right into 
delay, don't deny, and started learning about what Dr. Jason Fung was talking about, and then read fast, feast, repeat, and you did all of these things to educate yourself. In a lot of ways, you have become your own doctor. You're watching your own blood work. You're constantly learning new things. Like a doctor can help you, uh, but it seems to me like you're doing a lot of that work yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I don't know how the dynamic is different. Maybe you can tell me, but with type one, you know, I, I don't even understand how uh, it works with fasting with type one, because you have to really micromanage your um, insulin and your glucose levels. So I'm not sure. Yeah, how it's, it's a different, it's a different ballgame with type one, but you know, it's it, a lot of the same uh, concepts apply. And that is, you just don't want to be constantly having to, whether you're type two spike your insulin from eating uh, mm -hmm. or type one have to take extra insulin due to eating. So in the, in both cases, it's the same. You're trying to keep a good baseline uh, with your yeah. blood sugar without the, the, you know, the impact of food on your, on your blood sugar. So that's, that's kind of how it works for type one as well. So the concepts are sort of the same. Okay. I was wondering yeah. about that. And, and I, I think I might want to get a continuous glucose monitor. Cause I would love to see what, um, you know, what's happening and after a meal, before a meal, you know, I think you would really benefit from it, even though you have reversed your pre-diabetes type two diabetes. Uh, I think even if you don't, this, I have, I have a friend who also has, uh, type two and, and she got a continuous glucose monitor. And I told her, you don't have to, you don't have to do this for the rest of your life, but just do it for three or six months and then see what those trends are. And then you don't have to do it again, but at least you'll then know. Mm -hmm. Just use it as a tool. Yeah. Know, as, as a tool. Easy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even if you don't have diabetes and you have a continuous glu glucose monitor, you'd be surprised at the things that will elevate your blood sugar. A lot of it has to relate relates to food or stress or things like that. And even a, a person with a normal A1C will have fluctuations in their blood sugar. And it's, it's really fascinating to see what it, what it does. Like there's a woman, um, you can find her on Instagram, glucose goddess, and she does not have type type one or type two diabetes. And she wears a continuous glucose monitor and she, she tries different um, ways of eating. Like she'll eat a pizza, but then she'll eat a salad before the pizza. What, what does that do to her blood sugar? You know, and then she'll try all different kinds of different scenarios. Yeah. It's very, very interesting. Yeah. And I do think the order of how you eat your food does have an impact as well. And just like our mother told us when we were little, you have to eat your dinner before you have your dessert. You know, it. I do try to eat the healthier foods first. And then if I crave those little bit of potato chips or pretzels, I can have it at the end where I'm not as hungry and then I'm not going to eat the whole bag. You know? Yeah. There's a lot of wisdom in that. A lot of wisdom in that mm -hmm. for sure. Yeah. Food order, I think really, really does have an impact. So I, you know, and I, I always hit, I do have that little underlying fear, like, oh, this weight's going to come back on. But when it did, I knew what to do. I knew what to do and I was fine and it wasn't hard. It, I did. And then this is the other thing I'm going to tell people who say I've fallen off the wagon. Okay. After you get used to intermittent fasting, I, I don't think it's really falling. I don't feel like I fell off the wagon when I was in San Antonio eating all those tacos. I just realized I had to rein it in. And, you know, I didn't like, I didn't feel like I was starting at the beginning and having the hard hunger pangs. And I really didn't. I just knew what to do. And I just started to do it. And even if you had to build it up again a little bit, it's not falling off the wagon. It's just living your life, you know living your yeah. life and then just always understanding what it is you need to do to rein it in. You know? yeah, and you'd already built up that fasting muscle to such an extent yeah. that it was really more about your food choices and your eating window that was giving you trouble. Yeah. Yeah. And I really want to tell women, especially who are in menopause or postmenopausal, that you don't have to resign yourself to thinking I'm just going to gain weight as I get older and it's just going to get worse. And this is the way it is. No, you can control it. If it, like you said, be your own doctor, be your own advocate. Um, you can't lose weight in menopause and post-menopause. You know, I'm the living proof of it. Yay. That's good to know. Cause I'm heading into perimenopause and I wonder, am I going to just gain a bunch of weight? I don't, you know, cause the common wisdom and that's the thing. I feel like we have to debunk so much common wisdom. It's just like, well, as you get older, you're, that's a fact. You're just going to gain weight. And it's not a fact. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I want to, I want to finish the, the diabetes story. So you went back, you had mm-hmm. the A1C of 5.5 and then you have been going back every, is it every year since then? Yeah, I think I must've missed 2022 because I can't find it. <laughs> <laughs> so then I went back to, um, everything was improved in 2020. Um, and then I went back in 2021 and it was even more improved. That's the first time I actually had triglycerides in the normal range, um, cholesterol, a little high, a little high again. Um, but 215, it's not that bad. Uh, my LDL was a little bit elevated, um, not a whole lot. My fasting glucose is 90, which that's pretty good. Um, below 99 is good, right? Uh, A1C was 5.3. I was like fabric blasted. I, I can't even say the word. But just to go from 6.2 to 5.5 to the following year, 5.3, just mind blowing. I can't even believe that. Well, and you were able to maintain it, which is the good part. Maintenance, maintenance. And I would say maintenance, like when you asked me before, when uh, it started to, you know, feel pretty easy and you would feel those satiety signals and feel full about a year, I, I wouldn't say I was in maintenance after a year, I would say I got into maintenance in about uh, two years um, because then I got to that weight of 125 and things were really feeling easy. So I would say two years Okay, after two years is when I feel like I was really in maintenance where I wasn't even trying to lose weight anymore. So back when I got the A1C of 5.3, my weight was at 132 at that or 130. 130, 132, right around there, 130. So it would go up and down a little bit, but, um, you know, give or take five pounds here or there. These weights here, just right when I was taking that blood work. And then when you're at the doctor's office, of course, you're fully clothed, you know? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. 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 (laughs) So, um, so then, so then I just had the blood work uh, in here this month triglycerides are in the normal range, cholesterol slightly high, uh, 210. My LDL was 101. It's supposed to be below 99. So that's not bad at all. My A1C is 4.9 right now. Excellent. That's great. And I'm at about 120. My weight's 120, 121. This morning it was 121. And I'm not even trying. Like I thought 125 was it. So I guess at five foot two, they say you could be anywhere from 105 to what 120 is a good range. I don't know. So I feel like I could get to 115 and would be perfect. But yeah, and you may. I mean, I I talk about it on this podcast the way I lost weight. I was I would fluctuate between 123 and 113 back when I was quote unquote dieting. And then when I went through a lot of it's mental, you know, I went below 113. I was like, oh my God, am I gonna die? I've right. never been below 113 since I was like, you know in my early twenties or high school, you know, and then sure enough. And now I, I settle around anywhere from 92 to 95 pounds, but I'm, I'm four eleven, So I'm also you're short. short yeah. yeah. So you're in it. That's perfect. That's perfect for you. I feel like uh, I could probably lose five more pounds. So I'm at about 121 right now. I feel like if I got down to 115, I'd be fine. So yeah. And you may decide to do that at some point. If you, I mean, the key is might just happen to carbs, but you just, who cares? You know, at this point, your, your health is good and mm-hmm. extra five pounds. Nobody notices it, but you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know, I, I don't know. I, I feel like my body will settle where it wants to settle and I don't feel like I have to try. And if I end up losing those five more pounds, like I, it's, I could give or take, it doesn't matter. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I feel healthy. I feel better. I have more energy than I have had since probably my twenties lots of energy. Yeah, that's fantastic. And you know, a a lot of people that come on this podcast, they say that getting that pre-diabetes or type two diabetes diagnosis is, it was actually a blessing to them because they were able Mm -hmm. to, you know, get their health back, lose a lot of weight, see all Mm -hmm. these other benefits. Like, do you kind of feel that same way? Yes, absolutely. Um, I don't know that I would have 
done much. Like I would just keep, you know, trying to eat less, um, move more, exercise, do a lot of walking. And yeah, without that, I don't think I would have been actively seeking out because I was determined. It was like, no, you're going to do something about this. It wasn't just, oh, maybe I'll work on it. No. And that's where I think that clicks in your mind. And just like anything you are determined to do, you can do it. And if you put your mind to it and work at it, it takes a little bit of work at the beginning, but I say, once you get your body used to it and that fasting muscle that you talked about, um, then it just becomes easy and, and it really just becomes a habit and then part of your life. So I don't think of this in any way, a diet. And even though I'm changing what I'm eating, I'm just changing my diet because it's just healthier. It's just better to eat better. <laughs> Right. And that's what your body's craving now. Cause you're not eating, mm -hmm. you know, you don't, I always say I also do OMAD and it's just one of those things where you don't have two other meals in the day to make up for poor choices. So mm -hmm. you really just, your body's like, I need all of these healthy things to function. So don't give me yeah. crap. <laughs> you know, isn't it amazing that your body can just actually do that? I I'm so shocked that my body would crave the vegetables and like, what, <laughs> you know, I know it's amazing. I have. So, I wanted to, I wanted to loop back to one other thing because you had talked about exercise. Do you want to tell me what you do for exercise? Yeah. Uh, so nothing extreme at all. Um, first of all, we walk the dog just about every day. And when we were in San Antonio, the river walk, I don't know if you know about the river walk down there, but yeah. it's beautiful, beautiful, gorgeous. We would walk every single day on the river walk. So we're walking around here with a dog, but when I, I feel like I, I never was very strong. So now that, you know, you're always looking for ways to improve, even though I've, you know, lost the weight and I feel pretty good. Um, my strength, I, I feel like I need some more strength and sometimes I have to move patients. You know, I'm a home care nurse. Sometimes I have to roll them around or lift them and move them. Um, I noticed not that I, I had any muscle wasting at all because of fasting. It does not do that. It goes after your fat cells, not your muscle cells. Um, I just never was really strong at all. So I'm starting to lift some hand, hand bells, hand weights. Um, when I do walking on the treadmill, I will do some five pound hand weights, but that's about it. I don't run. Uh, sometimes really fast paced walking. I'll do some squats just to help with the muscle tone. And, you know, as you get older, you want to keep your balance. Um, I started doing a little bit of yoga, but just, you know, for flexibility, strength and balance. That's it. Very that's, simple. Yeah, that's fantastic. And that just goes to show that you don't have to have some crazy workout routine in order to lose weight or to get your health back, uh, with intermittent fasting. I mean, it kind of just takes care of itself. <laughs> yeah. You don't have to kill yourself in the gym. You yeah. know, uh, I used to do extreme power walking or running, um, uh, running around the neighborhood. Like I feel like I'd have to go around the neighborhood like 20 times and like, you don't have to do all that, but it is good to have some exercise that's good for our body anyway, whether we're thin or not. Yeah. You know? or overweight. But it, yeah. But it like debunks that common wisdom that like you can't lose weight or you can't be healthy unless you do these extreme workouts every single day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you don't yeah. have to. You don't have to. And, you know, to, uh, toning up, you know, I feel like it helps with toning up. You know, like I said, I do have a little bit around the belly that I still want to work on and I'll try to do some crunches or something like that. But, you know, but really I'm, I'm happy with where I'm at and I just am going to always continue to look for new ways to improve in, in everything we do, you know, like whether it's being kinder to people or, you know, just being a better person, helping somebody else out. Like when you asked me if I would do this, I'm like, yes, I'd love to pay it forward and just show that this worked for me and it can work for you too. And I want people to be healthy and happy. And that's the other thing, mood. I mean, my mood is better. Not that I was really depressed, but your mood is down a little bit when you're overweight. You don't feel good about yourself. You look in the mirror and you're like, your clothes, you don't feel good in your clothes. Um, you know, just it, it improves your mood too. And my sleep is better as well. I sleep through the night. Oh, that's fantastic. It sounds like it's been really life-changing for you in a lot of ways. Amazing. And I dodged, I dodged a bullet. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Well, congratulations on, on reclaiming your health, reversing your diabetes and maintaining that and maintaining your weight. Sounds like you've just been really very successful with this and it's something that we, we can all do. So yeah, thanks for sharing your message. Oh, you're welcome. And thank you for being out here and sharing your story and interviewing other people and just encouraging others that you can do this. You can do it. And especially if you really want it, if you really want it, you'll do it. Yeah. Yeah. You had the good motivation from having seen your, or heard about your biological mother passing away from Mm -hmm. diabetes complications and having dealt with it a couple of times with the gestational diabetes. So you knew what was going on. You knew it was serious. So a lot of times if you have that motivation, you can, that's the kick in the pants you need to get it done. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for everything you do as well. Thanks. Well, thank you so much um, for your time today, Tammy, and telling your story. And you were very vulnerable with people about certain aspects of your story. And I really appreciate that. I know it's going to help a lot of people. Okay. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, Don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.